you know, everyone's really great at making Star Wars. At making Star Wars. That guy's a cyber character. He's not real. Jason Ward from MakingStarWars.net. Hopefully you could hear me. And uh, this is this isn't Rob. This is Costanza. It's Costanza. It's you Best Man Bulletin. Yay! Do we I, know what happened to Rob? I just suspect uh, the commenters has finally found where he lived and beat the crap out of him, and now he's laying dead somewhere in a ditch. Well, what happened was I found out he wasn't doing what Santa said. He wasn't liking the show. And so oh. um, I put his address in the comments, and, and they, they found mm -hmm. him. Actually, um, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but I believe today's his anniversary. Excuse me. So I okay. believe, yeah, he told me, so I'm going to be cutting out Thursday. It's my anniversary. And I said, oh, congratulations. And then I'm going to about my life like I normally do. And then I invited him to the show or give him the link and everything. I'm like, let's do this. Where are you at? Can you go 45 minutes early? Come on. And then he's like, nothing. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's probably. He's got beat up, Jason. He's like, all, he's all screwed up in the streets. <laughs> he's all, all beat up in the streets, crawling through, being like, my hands, they'll never draw again. And then he like takes the pencil in his mouth and he starts drawing with his mouth. And <laughs> you're like, wow, it's a triumph of the human spirit. He's doing it. He's still doing it. We might have done him a favor. We might have done him a favor. He might become a celebrity now for that reason. He's doing it with <laughs> his mouth and his, and his toes, you know, so... It means he can't talk about Avatar while he's drawing. That might be a mm. good thing. And he also can't say they should just make Mando a movie while he's mad at Mando for not being movie-like. So I think we all win in this new this new Rob space that we've created for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have just told him to go for the throat. Maybe we just cut out the middle. Ooh, just, just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Somehow I think he would like use blood spatter through a trachea to make some kind of new Jackson Pollock art. So I don't, I, I, I the triumph of the human spirit, man. Just, you can't, mm. you can't, you can't get him. You can't get him down. Okay. So uh, we got some Star Wars news today. And um, also make sure you subscribe to uh, Star Wars Santa's show if you don't. He's one of my best buds and uh, one of the best shows. I didn't get to do the show with him today, which was a bummer. But you know he's got he's got to work he's got a life, and um, so make sure but make sure you subscribe to Santa's show because it's good stuff, and if you read Bestman Bulletin, uh, give the guy uh, a, a coffee. I gave him a coffee today because you guys don't. So I said you know what I'm gonna buy a coffee 
from you guys to him. I didn't and, even know you did that. I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I asked a, I asked a question and I had a typo in, in it even. And I was going to oh. fix the typo. And I thought, you know what? When I ask him if the Jedi are going to wear white robes in Ahsoka, uh, I'm going to leave the typo in. I'm just going to leave it in. Yeah. And I did. So um, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got to support each other, right? I, I mean, Arya knows. Arya's got a new job. So, Arya, where's the support, Arya? I'm, kid I'm kidding, Arya. You don't have to give us anything. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, so today we got, like, two stories that I'm actually really excited about. And th the first is uh, some Ahsoka details about sort of, like, a collection of uh, a lot of loose ends, but also some, like, inter interesting stuff about the weaponry and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also a another director has come on and been announced for skeleton crew and uh i had it hinted to me that this director was on skeleton crew and i didn't mm. read between the lines because i am a moron if you tell me a bunch of fast sources i love my sources there's the best in the west but if you tell me a bunch of really cool sexy stuff and then you start hinting about something i'm stupid man you got to spell it out for dummy here that's why on star wars santa's um, poll about where you, you not as North Pole, but on his polls where you guess like what's going to happen in the episodes. I'm always wrong. I, I only get I only get sources because I frustrate the hell out of people who know things, and they're just like, this guy is so dumb. Yeah, the lightsaber, there are red lightsabers in the show, you idiot. Of course, they're they're not mauve. Is mauve a color? Is mauve? I think mauve's a color. I don't know, but whatever. So I like how we've both art. missed out on directors for Skeleton Crew. Like I was told about the Daniels, you were told about like this guy, and mm -hmm. neither of us got it out. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I know, I know, and it, and it was like, well, I mean, I, I, I'm. It's a little bit frustrating. I'm happy for one take news. I'm glad, and I'm glad that it came from yeah. one take news again because I, 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 I believe when one take news like is firm, it's likely going to be accurate, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and then and I know what they've said is is accurate. So I, you know, not trying to attach myself to their scoop. So good, 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 uh, good work. To good one job. Day. Yeah, good job. But um, we had a, a weird situation with that, with that whole um, production because believe mm -hmm. everybody's going, you know, and like, like a part of me wonders now, and I haven't followed up on this or, or interviewed anybody else or asked any more questions about it in some time. But kind of wondering if these really good, fresh, energetic directors coming aboard an exhausted production. Mm -hmm. Number one, if it brought new life into it every single time, but if it also in some weird ways contributed to people losing their minds. <laughs> you know what I mean? It kind of mm. you kind of see it going that way. Not but on the story I'm going to talk about right now is about um, Ahsoka and uh, the weapons are pretty cool. Oops, I went back. Um, and uh, Ahsoka's production was, by most accounts, uh, very, very good. It was the skeleton crew one that had a little bit, you know, more. Yeah. Uh, just, oh, and uh, talk to my 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 ex, and she's gonna she's gonna fix the font for us, and she's gonna make the font big for us. Uh, so next next episode, I imagine. We'll have new super <laughs> Espen Bulletin uh, size font. Uh, you think my, that would be very font, easy to fix, but it wasn't easy. I couldn't do it. My font's not that big, is it? Like in comparison? 
I mean, you know, you got a lot of girth to your font. You know what I mean? And that goes mm. a long way. I got, I got, I got a lot of girth in a lot of places, Jason. Right? Yeah, I'm like, I'm sort of like, you know, I'm like a micro series font. So, anyways, uh, in recent reports, <laughs> I have laid out what I have heard about the new villains from Ahsoka from the Ahsoka Tano series, Star Wars Ahsoka. After having the scoops on who the new cast members were playing. I've also laid out their roles in the story. Today, I have more details about the bad cat serving Thrawn and what they have in their arsenal. These villains will aid a witch named Morgan Elsbeth, introduced in The Mandalorian Chapter 13, which you all need to go rewatch if you haven't, as she uses her war machine to extract Grand, Man and, uh, to extract Grand Admiral fucking Thrawn from the far reaches of unknown space. I still don't know what we're supposed to call that that new place, but whatever. The Nodian what we just Highlands. Call it the, what we call it the new beyond or something for a while. Yeah, yeah. That that's what I that's what I heard it that's what I heard it referred to as at one point. And uh, but I don't know if that's what it's called. So I think that's sort of so I'm not committing to it, but yeah, new beyond is the best term terminology we have at the moment. So but I went with far reaches of space because I think that was in the opening crawl to Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> so, More about um, a mm -hmm. galaxy even farther away. Right. A galaxy far, far, far away. Mm. So, uh, our main villain is a forest user named Balon. Not much is known about Balon at this time. Which, by the way, whenever I say Balon, I see the Baywatch logo in my brain every time. So when you like the Balon shirt, like the Baywatch logo with Stevenson with the shirt off, and like the mm. little thing in his hand. Anyways, we know he is being played by six foot three actor Ray Stevenson. I don't know what that is in meters. I, I'm a dumb American. Leave me alone. He's he's about he's almost as tall as Thrawn. <laughs> um, he was a Jedi who survived the Order sixty six Jedi purge and doesn't sound like he's a good Padawan anymore. I have heard references to um, Balon wearing dark armor but I've never been given an adequate description with enough detail to relay here. I just know he wears armor with some samurai aesthetics that seem to permeate through the design the, to the series' design. So there's like lots of like Shogun samurai, like Asian influences, Japanese influences throughout the series. Um, out of curiosity. Yeah, didn't, um, mm -hmm. didn't John or Dave refer to it as like a samurai adventure at some point as well? Wait, who did? Either Dave or John did, right? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think you're right. And I talked about a guy a couple of days ago that I didn't include in this article named Enoch, and he looks like Destro with a samurai helmet on, which I don't know mm. if that means Destro with a Darth Vader helmet on the back, you know? I, I don't know. I'm not sure how far it goes. But um, anyways, I've asked... Uh, this is just me clearing it out of the way because I just know where fans' minds go. I've asked mm. if he became an Inquisitor under the Empire, but no one has been able to give me an answer to that question. They just go, I, they just say, I don't know. So it seems kind of doubtful that was part of his backstory, but I know readers will likely wonder if there's a link. And so I'm going to say, I don't think so. But some somehow, or for some reason, Balon is dedicated to the mission to extract Thrawn and bring him home. Um, I get the impression he's a loyalist, but I don't know why. There are moments that make it sound like Thrawn and Balon being reunited is, is a reunion that has been a long time coming for both men. If that history is shown, told, or implied, it's still a mystery. I speculate Thrawn helped him survive the Empire 
for to wield ooh, a typo to wield him as a secret weapon though i kind of think he like might have saved him and like you know i'm gonna keep these guys in my back pocket kind of thing mm -hmm. um balon's apprentice is named shin and she's played by ivana sakno as mentioned before in the latter episodes she leads the kintsugi or Sarasian stormtroopers against ahsoka sabine and ezra by the way did you see the uh, uh kintsugi moment in uh the new episode of ted lasso i did i ultimately thought of this article to be fair yeah yeah that, i was like i was like oh there it is i was like it's a thing beyond star wars and uh i know you know a whole culture but you know what i mean whatever <laughs> um these these but then again i get you i'm guessing only like the rich people probably had that shit anyway so probably isn't i could be wrong but probably not even really representative of like your standard Japanese culture. Just what was rich. also noteworthy when they were doing the Ted Lasso thing? She was having her hold the bowl, and they were having like a spiritual moment whilst holding it. Yeah, and I thought that could relate to this as well. You know, given that we believe it's the Night Sisters, right? This reanimated these stormtroopers and holding them together. So it made me thought of that. You know, the spirituality role. And Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis played the. uh the biker scout who punches Grogu. Was he just the voice or was he in the costume? I never actually thought about that. I'd like to imagine he's in the costume and then did punch the puppet. And he has the mustache. Um, and he has the mustache underneath it, yeah. <laughs> so uh, these undead stormtroopers are kind of like Kylo Ren's reconstructed helmet in episode nine, but with red and gold filament that moves along the fine veiny cracks. These troopers also have magic red bands tied around various parts of their armor that were put there by the Night Sisters, and perhaps to reanimate them after death on the battlefield. And I've asked like five sources who were on it about the, the the red ties. They're all different. They're not all in the same place. They're they're kind of random. And so I think it's like a magic thing. I don't know if they mm -hmm. put it over the wound and then then they come back to life, or if it's just like these binds or hexes or charms or whatever it is uh you know reinvigorate the body after death i, I kind of think that's what's going on here so i i think that's that's the idea i think it's sort of like you're going to fall down but you're going to get back up and continue fighting because you're uh, a terminator stormtrooper to some extent probably not probably not that powerful but you know what i mean uh as i mentioned before i've not been able to get adequate description of the armor for Balon and Shin because all their because all usually wait what is that what was I saying with this typo because basically their lightsabers come up every time I'll do a revision of this after the show um I did read through it like three times but I don't know I'm not a good editor sometimes I'm not a good writer and a good editor at the same time I'm a good I could do either or okay but not I don't think I'm good either you know <laughs> I dread to think what mine looks like today you know I like Kevin Joel's within like 15 minutes is probably terrible. <laughs> but what what's what what I like about that is um the the people who are the most critical have never mm -hmm. made a dollar writing in their lives. So <laughs> idiots. All right. The word is Balon has a lightsaber, kind of like Kylo Ren, but it has been described as a red claymore saber. It's heavier and he swings it with immense power. Supposedly, you can feel the weight of the weapon when he hits our heroes with it on screen. So um, now, now this is slight speculation. This is slight of uh, failing on my part. Um, when I have heard about this a few times, Kylo Ren's lightsaber comes up 
there's a bit of confusion about how to describe how it's different. And what I think the difference is, um, I'm going to go over to the, I'm going to minimize the article for a second. What I think the difference is, is like Kylo Ren's lightsaber is imagine like a, it's like a T, right? It's mm -hmm. like the, with the little side things, you know? Whereas his is like a V with the sword coming up through it. I don't know, you know, to, to some extent. So it's like, a, but it's a claymore, a claymore sword. So it sort of has like the, there's, there's yeah. a poking more at you. Whereas Kylo's are just more to the side. I think that is the difference between the two lightsabers. And it's why the sources aren't just saying it's Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Mm -hmm. I would, hopefully I could get a follow-up on that, but. I it, it it occurred to me it's not until you write the article that you realize oh I don't actually know this thing. <laughs> we might know? also know in about a, in about a week's time, right? Like with the Ahsoka trailer. Fair enough. Yeah. Chance to show it. Yeah, that's that that is true. I, I would I would hope that if they um like you and I have said I think I think you and I have said this I think you agree you, you're on the same page as me with it. They need to not live in the bubble on ahsoka and mm -hmm. be like everybody loves her because of twitter and because of years of watching a cartoon when the actuality in actuality like the general like mandalorian audience is slightly like doesn't know why they care about ahsoka so and yeah, i watched the marketing for mm -hmm. say so the marketing for Ahsoka. You, you can be secretive but you just need to show more of the quote cool moments yeah. you know so if you have Balon or, or Shin swinging the sabers around, show that. If you, if they do confirm Hayden is in the show, we know he's in it. But if they confirm it, yeah. have a shot of him. Like you gotta get the casual fans on board because we're already in. All of us who watch Rebels and Mando mm -hmm. and anything else they produce, we're already there day one. And yeah. they don't need to sell it to us because we're already we've already got the ticket. You know, last night I took my my dad and my daughter out for for pho. We had some 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 hot spicy soup and then we came back and we watched the new episode of mando because they hadn't seen it and um i just watched them when zeb shows up mm -hmm. nothing. nothing no no th they both seen rebels to some extent they both are familiar with it they don't really they couldn't tell you character names probably but they saw him and it just it did not register and i was like okay you know that's kind of like my sample here you know what i mean though of right. of an old man and a young girl who both watched star wars and they were just like mm. so that moment while that was all the internet would talk about the reality is that moment meant literally nothing to the to a lot of the audience so yeah which is what we brought up uh, was it yesterday Regarding, mm -hmm. the series, regarding the episode, and we also brought up with Ahmed Best. Like, it meant a lot to us, uh, but the casual audience, they have no idea yeah. who that is and why he's important. Right, right, right. They're just like, this is a new Jedi that I don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so we don't all experience Star Wars in the same way. That's kind of the, the takeaway, I guess you'd say. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyways, uh, Homeboy has a huge um, Claymore lightsaber. That he swings around with some big dick energy, right? Mm. And then, and then we have that juxtaposed by Shin. Her lightsaber has been described as a red rapier lightsaber, and she moves lightning fast with the blade. W only I've heard about the sword four different times, okay? And one person described it like uh, the needle from Game of Thrones, but a bit longer. I right. but 
I asked somebody else about that. They're like, yeah, you know, and so it was kind of like a bit. So I kind of had like a sources who didn't necessarily agree on that comparison. So I didn't include it, but I'll include it in the show because it's easier to add this as a caveat. So, um, so together, Balon and Shin are very taxing to your standard laser sword fighter who were trained by the Jedi of the Sith. On paper, they're the perfect team when teaming up against a single foe, which probably explains how they have survived all these years. Although it's not clear how long Shin has been the adventurous to Balon's Dooku. And by the way, that was the very first thing I ever heard about her. She's like a new ventress. Do we know where her look is in this show? I, yeah, I, I believe she, I think she has her, her like, her, like, short hair and stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but once again, it's one of those, like, every, every time that I have heard about them and stuff, it's been in the context of other things, and I just couldn't get, couldn't, couldn't get into it, but I hope to. And um, I have, like, one more really big article that I'm, I want to drop uh, soon. And then after that, I'm hoping I could do some more rounds of interviews with sources um, in the near future and then start to elaborate on some of the stuff that we're, we're asking, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping to see them. I want to, I want to like actually see them because in one, in the, the, the time that I, that I saw um, um, Lars as Thrawn, I believe they were in that sequence. However, couldn't really see shit about them. So. It, right. It's pretty use pretty pretty useless. Um, the the armor is uh, that 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 he wears is like samurai like, and she also has. I think she may have a. Um, I actually, actually I think she may actually have a helmet, but don't mm. don't quote me on that. But I think she might have a helmet, so we'll see. Um, I'm convinced the lightsaber fights are going to be pretty rad in Star Wars Ahsoka. The colorful Mandalorian Sabine Wren will have Ezra's green lightsaber and dual shin with her red rapier laser sword, while Ahsoka Tana has her two white-bladed lightsabers fighting Balon's red claymore lightsaber. And uh, I'm pretty sure those duels happen concurrently while Ezra dispatches stormtroopers with the Force in the Nodian Highlands. And uh, re- remember when we saw those, 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 those pictures of like all that grass and stuff that they had down mm-hmm. there? That's that I believe is the Nodi and Highland planet. And when I hear when I when I heard it um, of the of that place called that, I, I assume the planet's called Nodia, mm-hmm. but that's an assumption. So I'm not going to, you know, not going to say it's called that because I don't 100% know. But uh, yeah, but there's there's also some like weird little guys there too, some weird little little critters, but. I don't really have a lot to say about them at the moment, so whatever. Um, I just love the idea of these new lightsabers in the hands of the villains fighting for Thrawn. These evil force users with Night Sisters and undead stormtroopers sound really fun if things play out the, the way that it's been ex- explained to me. And then I say, after watching the last ep- last week's episode of The Mandalorian, Carson Teva's warning to the Republic feels a lot more ominous in ways even Carson doesn't understand yet. Because, like... This is speculation on my part, but mm. I think I think we're setting up like this this like culmination where you think, oh man, like you know, Gideon's with the Mandos now. Uh oh, right? Could right. it get worse? And then it's like, yep, it gets a hell of a lot worse. And I was um, during the Mando production, 
I was told that Thrawn was was mentioned. And and I was told that it was mentioned, and it and Thrawn doesn't think highly of Gideon. So I don't know if those two are going to like team up or if they're in opposition or what. But either way you cut it, like when you with the new republic that they've set up in the Mandalorian, they're like they want to get into post-World War II life. Like that's mm-hmm. what they want. They want like to eat ice cream and and to like let people who used to be monsters like just sort of reintegrate back into like society and move on. And like, you know what I mean? Like get get past it, which I, I could understand, like like the the human desire for that. I think it makes sense. That's what you try to do, especially when, you know, after years of conflict. And um, but it's not over. And they're, they're so they're it's going to I think they're going to do a good job just based off of what we think we know right now between Thrawn and just the Gideon and the Gideon and the warlords in general mm-hmm. and the pirates. You can see why this, this uh, new republic is fucked. Like they just, right. they just they can't really just like they, they don't they don't set up, you know, the perfect, you know, uh, version of the of the galaxy. And then and then it, and then the first order shows up and uh oh. We forgot the the lessons of 20 years ago or 30 years ago. It sounds like they never really got their footing or they never. It's also mm-hmm. like currently there's just a uh, Imperial remnants in the galaxy in the Mandalorian at the moment. Yeah. But when Thrawn comes back, we, we don't know how many troopers Thrawn's going to have. If it's just the troopers he took with him. Um, when Ezra got the purgle, take him into the galaxy even further away. Um, right. Is it just those he's coming back with? Because that might not be a massive threat in terms of numbers, but given that they're undead and like, you know, I think you said before, they get shot and they keep getting up and keep going. Right? Yeah. They can. So you don't need like a huge army in that regard. Like it's a massive threat, but again, if you've just got the Mandalorians, the skeleton crew, various uh, rangers, and Ahsoka and the ghost crew, that's mm-hmm. probably enough to take that threat on. Mm-hmm. But how many do you lose in, in that process, in that battle? Right. And again, going back to episode one, The Phantom Menace, there's always a bigger fish, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, after Throne, it's going to be the First Order. Mm-hmm. You know, a fully rejuvenated empire, essentially. And, and behind the galaxy, that is Snoke, and then behind that is Palpatine. Mm-hmm. It just kind of keeps yeah. it's like the little Russian and, dolls of evil. Right. <laughs> and we know in, in, in that scenario, the galaxy definitely isn't prepared for it. And if we lose numbers and we assume we would against the fight against Thrawn once he comes into the galaxy we know it's even harder to fight the first order and and wherever else that comes right. you know we've also got piracy rampant in the galaxy as well so like you could go take on those threats that's distracting for the new republic so yeah i think it all sets it up pretty well i think I me mean, you've talked about this before and it's like we we feel as if the show is going in phases mm-hmm. you know that this universe at least is going in phases um in the Filoni Favreau universe, you know, the Mandalorian season three might end one phase, Ahsoka begins another, and then years down the road, once this Thrawn arc is, you know, wrapped up, I'm pretty sure we'll see Snoke and, and the Imp and the, the First Order arrive. Yeah. It feels like we're, we're building towards something like that. And that's exciting to me as a, as a viewer and as a fan. So, yeah, I'm very excited about everything you've written in this article as well. You know, the, I think the sequences between Balon and Shin are going to be. I'm really interested in them. I'm also very interested in, in Enoch. I know uh, he's the one we have the least amount of details on. 
but even yeah. just the description of his design um i think is is really unique and something i'm looking forward to yeah somebody somebody was telling me about the uh costume for him and they were just like saying like like in their opinion um it was one of the best things that they have seen mm-hmm. like in from the television shows that was that was a new design entirely and that it was yeah so it, it sounds it sounds fucking cool i mean the the um we tend to view star wars through the like, like the skywalker saga lens and rightfully so it's what like defined it for us but when you think about like the the climate and like what they're doing like you know if this stuff does take off if it does really like work i mean it, it could be setting the climate the climate up for like film series down the road and stuff like that and mm-hmm. depending on on how on how it uh how it all washes out but i i do i would guess that they intend to keep this stuff on the small screen you know mm-hmm. in, in general yeah. but if it i mean if it connects really really well it's it's completely possible that it'll it'll go that way and also the other question that i i kind of have too is uh and it'll probably relate more to the article next week um mm. but when grand admiral thrawn like returns back like does that mean do all of the moths have to like bow to him if they were to have any sort of imperial allegiance left in them i don't really know how that works to be honest with you but, i was like is a moth above a grand admiral or is a grand admiral above a moth but at that point is thrown even part of the empire like mm-hmm. he's been away for so long and he comes back and you've got the remnant of the empire and if they're in conflict with one another he might just think well the empire's gone it's just these little pockets left i'm gonna take this all for myself yeah and maybe he thinks he could, he could do it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think this will happen, but it'd be really cool if you just see a scene where he beats the shit out of Gideon. Yeah. Like, he really, like, puts one over on him and maybe he kills him. Maybe that sets up, like, how big of a threat, even to the people who, um, who, who haven't been following Throne throughout Rebels or know him from the EU many years ago. You know, mm-hmm. if they see him step into one of these TV shows and kill the villain we've come to know over the course of say multiple seasons that ups the ante for the casual viewer like oh my god this guy's even worse yeah like i think i think bo will defeat gideon or whatever but right i wouldn't mind seeing a scenario like that yeah or 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 him be defeated by bo and then killed later on by him there's ways of Mm. doing that kind of stuff there's ways of making people disappear if you know what i mean but um yeah, when you look at what they're doing with Ron, it's kind of one of the things we were sort of hitting on yesterday for a bit is he we didn't know if if they could really write Thrawn how a book can write Thrawn. Can they show can they can they convey the ideas of that, you know, cunning, you know, sort of I don't know, strategy-based villain and really do it in the the Mandalorian universe. I I I don't know if they can, but the one thing that we see that what they're doing is they're arming him with mm-hmm. lots of tools for evil, right? Whether whether he's evil or really evil or not. I know a lot of people are really into the books and see him as a protagonist. I I don't mm-hmm. see anything about this story that makes me think Thrawn is a protagonist or good in any way. Everything seems to be like an antagonist. Oh, Aria, um, I was just kidding, Aria. You didn't really need a super chat. Thank you, Aria. Um, says, will they will 
will the army be like the White Walkers on Game of Thrones? Probably not as scary, right? In the sense mm -hmm. that they are just stormtroopers with the stuff and like the thing. Hey, hey, Rob, how's it going, man? Are, is it your hey. anniversary today? Huh? It is. Happy anniversary! Is, I. Hey, mm -hmm. thank you, thank you. We we, we have French uh, French patissier, really real, really great French patissier in town, and uh, my wife has a sugar coma now, so I All right. I uh, <laughs> I do well with it now with my more balanced diet. But uh, nice, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we were we were talking about Throne, and we were bringing up yesterday's points of Favreau and Filoni writing this universe. What was your take on Rebels Throne? Did you enjoy how Filoni wrote him there? Because that's probably the most similar comparison. That that would be the one who I would think that would probably be the closest, but it still kind of has its hands tied in the sense that it was Star Wars Rebels, so it was generally coming in, I think, at Y7, which, mm -hmm. right? Am I right about that? I could be I could be wrong. It might have been Y14, but I think it was like Y7 a lot of most of the time. So, um yeah, Thrawn there for me was I, I just thought it was a bit limp. Um, I wasn't very I wasn't impressed. I thought it was a good bad guy for the show. Um, but it didn't I wasn't like super impressed. It didn't I was never like, ooh, he really got one over, like, you know, checkmate. You know what I mean? There there weren't really that many of those kinds of moments. And um uh one one friend was telling me, they're like, Yeah, like Thrawn in the um, you know, in the, the the show, he's a he's a little more portly. You know what I mean? He's not a um Mickelson's not super fit. Not to say I'm not saying he's like out of shape, but he's not super fit. So like they're like, don't expect him to be like, you know, doing judo chops and stuff like rebels, which is because mm -hmm. I, I I they didn't know that this source didn't know that he was in rebels. And I sent them that scene. And they're like, no, that's not, it's not like that. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, but I, but I, I, I see your point though. I mean, I do think that is like the closest to the writing style would be what we got in Rebels, but also Rebels was like Simon Kinberg and Greg Weissman and all those people were also involved in there. And so I think there was a little bit, maybe there was more cooks in that kitchen than there will be on Ahsoka. So who knows? But, um, so so uh Rob did you mm -hmm. did you did you go full grogu did you did you give her a foot rub today just say this is a foot rub <laughs> for my wife did you did you did you did you, did you, did you tell her you're my would, you, would you ever give another man a foot rub fuck you <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know sure. you know that I, I I had I had to use that I saw pulp fiction um on, on VHS with my girlfriend in high school, right? When it first came mm -hmm. And she, her family was super religious and I would go to their church to get donuts or just to get out of the house, right? And put up with their propaganda. But we're at this youth group once after we had seen Pulp Fiction and the youth pastors thought it'd be a really good idea to have the kids, girls specifically, wash their feet. <laughs> like Jesus, right? <laughs> wash up. They, they, they tried to tie this. And I'm like, I looked at my girl. I said, like, "I'm not washing anyone's feet. She's not washing. Anyone. I don't think anybody should be washing a bunch of dudes' feet. You know, let alone girls or kids or whatever. This is disgusting." And I looked at my girlfriend, who's like, "Well, she because she, she was still like, you know, indoctrinated." I looked at her and I said, "Would you ever wash another man's foot?" <laughs> and she, <laughs> she just mouthed the mouthed the words, "Fuck you," right? Like, yeah, you know, and they got it. Like, like <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that here. We're not doing um, that here. before the before the show started, Joel asked. 
uh, he said, you guys put on one hell of a podcast. Keep it up. Where could I buy some of Rob's art? Uh, thank you, Joel. So normally I have a store up called shopsketchcraft.com. The URL works. It goes in my Etsy. Right now, everything is down because I'm not in a position to ship things because of my work schedule. Things will go up between now and, and June or so. So cool. I do all my own shipping and it's really nice, really well put together, but it just takes time, you know, and I've tried automated services and I hate the quality of everything that's produced that way. So um, yeah, I will have stuff in the store, shopsketchcraft.com. You just bookmark it. When I say stuff's up and we'll put a link, you know, I'll promote, but for now it's only down because of, of uh, deadlines. Yeah. yeah. And we have, when he, when he puts it back up, we'll, we'll, um, We'll make sure to share it on here and stuff. Yeah, thanks. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. So, so, our, but Aria, in terms of like your question, like, yeah, I think that they will, they will um, fall in battle and then they will get back up. So that right there, um, that magic though, I, I don't know what the what the you know parameters of that magic are. We also have a witch who was sort of a war profiteer for the empire. She was making stuff for the empire. Um, for a time after the Night Sisters were, were wiped out, that's sort of how she makes her money, I guess. Maybe, maybe she was contracted via Thrawn for the jobs originally. For all we know, if we want to get into the details, right? But what if I, I'm just throwing this out here? What if they go find old battlefields and resurrect more stormtroopers that were just laid out there? You know what I mean? What if they go to like Minban and there's just all these stormtroopers in the mud and they just start bringing them out as the stories go on? Like once you introduce that power into it, you almost have to like, in order to ultimately defeat it, you're going to have to like go to the source of the power. It's sort of like, like the lost boys, vampires, you got to kill the head vampire to get rid of all the other vampires. Right. Or you're just going to keep, keep the cycle going. So there's a lot that could happen in the, the narrative as it moves on, but I don't know if, if it really goes there, but that would be, you know, it could be fun. But I also um, don't know how much they're they're harping on some of this stuff. You know, I don't know how I don't know what a how much of a focus on the undead warriors are going to be. But you know, like pirates freak people out. You know, like pirates do things to like show like the pirates are here. Oh, we know who that's the pirate king. Everybody gets scared. Everybody freaks out. But um, I would think that having undead stormtroopers would, would really do it for you. Oh, come on. Tell me if that moss man was trying to fucking give you a foot massage, you wouldn't be scared. You'd be scared. If but, they could uh, bring back... If they bring back stormtroopers, do you think they could bring back Balon or Shin if they get killed? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, that would be weird, right? But what, hmm. would that, what would that, that entail? Like, like, and there's like things that I don't know if the story will will delve into that I think fans will the hardcores will be considering the whole time, because like Ahsoka dies and she's brought back by um, in Mortis by the uh, the uh, sister. The sister like literally gives up her spiritual avatar to return Ahsoka back to life. So Ahsoka herself has died and come back, and so what is what does that do what is that does, is, does that have any play into this and how they view her and stuff like that you know it, there, mm -hmm. there could be there could be interesting things there if they want to 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 like delve into it like in that new uh harry potter game the the the, the protagonist uh can see contrails of ancient magic 
that other people that use the current Harry Potter magic can't see. So there could be weird shit like that in this in the show for Ahsoka that we just can't really, you know. But I I have no evidence for that. That's just me speculating what all of this jazz could do and what what it could mean and what they might do with it, you know. But um oh yeah, and um Santa said that that he sees Thrawn as a good guy at heart. He tries to save lives and protect innocents. See, that's what the books told you and you're moving on the idea that Dave Filoni read that book and that Dave Filoni cares about what that book had to say and that he agreed with it. So if he does, then you're completely, you, you, you'd be completely right. Well, so unlike Dave to change things already in canon. So yeah, like he like literally like, like changed the Mandalorians in canon during the clone wars and people flipped the fuck out when that happened during the clone wars. Mm-hmm. Like we, we think like um, a lot of the, the current fan reactions to change is like new but it, it's not. It was just smaller then because the fan base was smaller then, you know? It was just more quiet. And, and so it's been weird to, to see, and, and I'm, I'm glad, but it's been weird to see Dave treated as a villain and then later on be treated as like this like, like white knight of Star Wars who's going to save it. It's like he does the same thing everybody else does, you know? He's the same. He, he believes in his creative vision just as much as the uh, next creator. So no, confidently. No, Jason. Oh. Hey I'm Dave, the, I'm the pearl pearl white knight. Know what I'm saying? Right, you are the per, the pearly whites of Star Wars. You're right. Cloudy white, you know what I mean? Oh man, <laughs> salty white even. Yeah. Hey, hey, too much, too much, too. It's too on the tip. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right, too right. Enough, Dave. Too yeah, much, too that much. guy. Go be a villain. He even put his stupid hat in Star Wars. Now I saw a stupid. I watched rewatched the episode again last night. I saw his stupid hat in the in the in the space bar in the the pilot bar and i was like man he he's even made that a thing but anyways um dale says dave doesn't care about the books most of the time i mean we kind of saw tales of the jedi right that's what it was called tales of the jedi mm-hmm. yeah tales of the jedi uh you watched it you tell me <laughs> oh dude get, come on give me a break <laughs> that, that isn't i bailed no that that I that's, that's that, no that 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 was good it was it was well done. No, but sorry. It, I bail Antilles. How about Antilles? That? Yeah, yeah, Antilles yeah. the hell out of it. Um, yeah. no, but it was good. But the, there's just these these titles. They're just there's just too many of them. I mean, there's been how many fucking Star Wars titles have been thrown at me in the last decade? You know, um, most of them aren't really that memorable. That one fits though. That one actually tells you what the show is. It's Tales of the Jedi. But in that one right there, uh, he it it retells some of the. I think it's E.K. Johnston's Ahsoka story, but it's took Dave's story for that book, and then Dave's like took a story back and told it how he wanted to. So there are differences. I just but don't which remember. Which one's canon? Um, well, obviously we know that whatever's on screen <laughs> is gonna is gonna mm-hmm. take, take the all, highest. No, canon. you told me it's all canon. You can't. We can't have the movies. No, it, the, whatever on film be the final canon. It's canon's canon. Right. But but the events do happen in that book that they it is still there. Like it is the same story, essentially. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't a hierarchy of 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 medium here in terms of what brings in the dollar to Lucasfilm. And that's going to and what has the most eyes on it is ultimately the most important thing. But that's also why you're, you're never going to see these cartoons just get railroaded in live action uh, in like a, 
a storied way. You might have, uh, you know, an inquisitor who has a round head instead of a pointy head, but <laughs> whatever, you know. I don't know. Fans are changing that. I've seen some fan edits where they're like, mm-hmm. changing that. Fans head. are crazy, man. <laughs> they got that... it. Like, like, it's not the head that's going to fix Kenobi, just so you know, folks. I get it. I get it. It's what you can control, but like that, that's <laughs> right. Man. Maybe if uh, when Leia runs, she gets the blue sonic streak you know like that would help mm-hmm. add a little rings like she can you know when she runs to the forest she can pick up some rings too right that might, that might help make it more fun okay okay so here we go we get this is this is the the uh, new story i am excited about um uh, from oh, from bestman bulletin shit. that oh, can what have we been saying to, speaking of what we thought kenobi should have been <laughs> yeah, the, the green knights david lowry directed an episode of star wars skeleton crew and oh, you can the support night you can Did support he the salad night yeah <laughs> kinda i can see the salad guy the pirate and him making love they'd be they'd be a good couple tree man and, and leaf man you oh, know I, perfect you would look for a second be honest folks you thought that was a screen cap from skeleton crew or star wars like just be honest for oh yeah, once, yeah it, it was scaled out like that's if them if them if that was a lightsaber blade that's i mean the production chris would be losing his shit excellent oh yeah look, he's got white robes look at that it looks like chris too you know like to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know but like that. <laughs> lowry is who i wanted for willow the whole time and and mm-hmm. he loves willow and he he was inspired to make the green knight because of willow what were what was lucasfilm thinking you could know. have also had Taika for Willow. Taika also loves Willow. And Taika and Lowry would have been the Willow dream team right mm-hmm. there. 100%. That, that, that would have been it, you know, because you do want it to be funny, but you want it to be mystical. And I think he would have brought the mystical and he would have brought the funny and it would have been fantastic. Um, but maybe the they said, they, 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 maybe they said, Lowry, we want you to know, we want to do it, but we, we want to know, what do you think about Phoebe Bridgers playing a song in the middle of Willow? And he was like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> So you can support Bestspin on uh, ko-fi.com slash Bestspin Bulletin, and you could give him a a little tip. So two weeks ago, this is from bestspinbulletin.com, two weeks ago it was reported that directing duo The Daniels directed an episode of Skeleton Crew, a Star Wars live-action series created by Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts and Chaos Walking writer Christopher Ford. Watts is set to direct an unspecified number of episodes of the series. I've heard at least two, and and he seems to be keeping good company with the addition of the Daniels, whose latest flick, Everything Everywhere All at Once, swept this year's Academy Awards with seven wins. It's now being reported by One Take News. So One Take News is the origina- originator of this, uh, and I just, just now during the show got it that the trades are now reporting it, because when, after One Take News did, who broke the Daniels story that Another critically acclaimed director, David Lowry, also helmed an episode of the series. Lowry is no stranger to the Disney wheelhouse, having previously directed and writing Pete's Dragon, which wasn't good in my opinion, for the media juggernaut and directed the upcoming Disney Plus film Pan and Wendy. Um, That's about a pansexual Wendy who's in Peter Pan. Is that right? Um, Which is set for release next month and stars the lead of Skeleton Crew, Jude Law. Other notable work from Lowry includes the critically acclaimed A Ghost Story 
and 2001's multi-award-winning Green Knight, which is most likely the work he's best known for as of today. And uh, I liked, I did like a ghost story, but it was a little bit slow. But but it's an A24 movie. What, what the fuck are you gonna do? Uh, Lowry is certainly an interesting choice as a director for the series, but one that makes um, sense and is most certainly a fine addition to the series alongside Watts and the Daniels. Lowry has had experience with directing a younger cast with the upcoming Pan and Wendy, though we don't know to what results. Skeleton Crew stars Jude Law, Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore, as a teacher with the story focusing on a group of children lost in the galaxy trying to find their way back home. The series is, is, is inspired by 80s Amblin movies such as The Goonies and is set during the same time period as The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and Ahsoka, with the creators of those series, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, on board Skeleton Crew as executive producers. Skeleton Crew is slated to release exclusively on Disney Plus later this year, and you can see the trailer for Lowry's latest effort, Pan and Wendy, below. Oh, so it's like little kid Peter Pan. I thought it was like fucking Robin Williams again. Yeah, that's, um, why, I, uh, that's <laughs> why I included it, was just because obviously he's working with a younger cast in this one. So I was like, maybe we can get some sort of idea of how it might pan out. <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> you said pan out. <laughs> you said you said pan out, dude. Yeah. I don't so. think there's going to be any of the uh, scenes from Green Knight and, and that Wendy thing. It's right. hard to say, though, with... Oh, I I, I, I've been here, though. Trailer. I've been here. Like, somebody's like, take this. You're like, okay... You're on the beach. You're having a good time. Also, look down at your hands, and there's like magic dust flying off of it. Yeah, that happens. Like it's, it's That's when the Daniels comes in. She's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, daughter's mom. I'm going to be in Resident Evil three, uh, thirty, right? Like, but, but um, I mean, I know, yeah, I know, know. This is hard though. Look, look at look at the visuals on it though. It looks good. I mean, it does. Look, the visuals aren't bad. Didn't somebody? It still has that weird. Go ahead. So isn't somebody on Pan and Wendy also did Scouts Group? Not Lowry, but like, is it one of the cinematographers or something? I I'm not sure, but that would make sense considering. Yeah, like that stuff looks great, but it still has that dark look. That I don't know. It's weird. You know when you put like, uh, it's almost like when Tony Scott would put on those weird filters, right? It's almost like there's a thing in Hollywood now where they're doing this weird vignette filter thing on the digital yeah I, I like that on my without using an actual, right but without actually <laughs> using a real anamorphic lens like mm -hmm. greg fraser used anamorphic lenses on the batman which will give you a vignette but it's in the lens this all appears right. like a post look and it just i don't know it has a weird look to me but uh-oh tinkerbell's not white you guys uh some like some guys going crazy like, about that somewhere <laughs> like it's almost impossible to see anything in some of these shots though like these outside night shots you know like mm -hmm. oh i don't i don't know if I don't, I don't know if that's me fucking playing it through the browser and stuff but no i watched this trailer you watched it times, you know yeah oh no yeah i mean again like hold on go back i want to just show you compositionally here's something that i find strange right so back further back a little bit more when, when they're in front of the right there like like they're flying in front of a they're in front of a dark mountain straight on so you mm -hmm. can't see them and you're not one of them so you're not seeing through their eyes it's just one of those weird things where so you lose track of people so you start looking around at the water you start you know that's when they cut well, down but it's like it's what, if, what, if, what if what if what if the shot what if the shot follows them 
zipping and zooming and 360 all around and then the trailer just shows that that moment because trailers are stupid sometimes correct I'm just they are to... going to end up looking down but what you would do is track over wendy's shoulder the whole time you wouldn't pull back and then go back in it it's just modern filmmaking now where they sort of they 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 try to apply sometimes the heavy silhouette stuff to camera work versus mm-hmm. using camera moving a camera in animation way different than drawing things like way different and some of these things are set up like like compositional drawings brought to life yeah so if you want a more in-depth discussion on this from someone you because they won't people look our audience they won't trust me they're gonna be like rob thinks he knows everything mm-hmm. you know you have a point but uh day uh peter chung director of aeon flux right mm-hmm. right 30 years of animation mm-hmm. uh has a directing class on projectcity.tv for 399 $399 and he's been a live action director it's not just limited animation and he will explain to you folks why this is a problem yeah well um, i'm gonna explain to you why why uh this tinkerbell makes julia roberts look like a karen at walmart i I think she's i think she's actually a better tinkerbell than than julia roberts in in the shot julia roberts had a horrible horrible wig in that that movie that yeah Bob yeah so that's why that's why I was, that's why was, that's what's calling her fucking karen at walmart <laughs> you know what i mean there he is this judo oh yeah look at him laying down the law i didn't even recognize him at first that's called acting guys yeah i'm 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 not i'm not uh i i don't i don't hate it just looking at it you know it might be okay yeah, I don't but think this, it does the director Green Knight many favors. This sort of uh, well, you know, director from, from Green Knight, thing. he's got bills, man. He's got kids. He's got I, look. You know. I'm right. I'm not. He's <laughs> no, I'm doing kidding. a studio I'm thing. I, no I just idea. don't think it's fair. Yeah, it's like trying to 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 gauge Tim Burton's Dumbo against what Tim Burton can do. It's not. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Disney has a certain expectation when you're there. So well, well now, now we know that Tim Burton can't do shit unless Jenna Ortega tells him how to do it. <laughs> um. What is this? Uh, is this coming out in the movie theater? No, no it's Disney Plus. Okay, because because like like they have like April twenty eighth and they have like PG and stuff and it makes it look like it's like a movie theater thing right here. Okay, now I see it. Never mind. I, I don't have soon. a ton of confidence in it, only because they bumped up a uh, Haunted Mansion from a Disney mm-hmm. Plus release to theatrical. They didn't do it for this. Yeah, there's not a ton of like competition for this movie at the tail end of April, which is when it's coming out. Obviously, you got the Mario movie at the start, but. Towards the end, like you've just got what Evil Dead Rise, is not. Well, well, I mean, it's, well, I, I, I could say two things to that though. Number one is horror-based stuff, even when it's silly horror and and not really horror, tends to probably do better theatrically. But also, how many fucking Peter Pan movies have failed since Disney's Peter Pan? Like all of them. I don't know why yeah, they but... keep making Peter Pan movies because nobody fucking goes to see them. Thank you. <laughs> it's to, weird. Also trying to make money, Peter... right? The only Peter Pan movie that I enjoyed outside of the 1950s version was that. Remember Fox had a Peter Pan cartoon in the 90s on Fox mm-hmm. Cartoon, Fox Kids? That was actually oh, yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Like, actually. Like, and, you know, I mean, and I do enjoy Dustin Hoffman's performance. Dustin Hoffman and uh, Bob Hoskins in Hook the Movie. 
but yeah. everything else I, in the I, movie is horrible. Like, <laughs> I, I, no, I'm going to commit I, suicide. I, I, I'm going to commit I'm going to kill myself right now. Yeah. I'm going to kill myself. You better stop me, Smee. Okay, we're, we're demonetized now. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That did no, it? No, no, no. It, it, I, no, I, 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 I like Hook. It's not a, it's not a, not the best Spielberg movie of all time by, by any means, but I, I like the movie. It has a lot of, it has a lot of like good, good parts. It's not Jurassic World or Jurassic Park 2 or anything, you know? Like I think no, it's, it's like a, a it's it's George no. Georgie's big date. I got a real real nice uh real nice role in that, that film. You, you guys yeah. you guys have your um Kendall says I'm very excited about for Mario. Me too. Oh, I got I got I got midnight tickets. Me and the Mario kids are going to midnight. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I like Mario and Peoples. Yeah. No 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 Super Mario. Oh, oh you know Super you know Mario. the you know the the very Italian man who is Chris Pratt. Oh, he's a he's a cyber <laughs> character, right? He's a yeah. What 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 was that, George? That guy's a cyber character. He's not real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's not real. Yeah, that's no. sure. You're right. But yeah, I'm I'm seeing it at midnight. Uh what is when do I go? Do I go April fourth at midnight or do I go April fifth at midnight? I can't remember now. I need to look up look it up on the tickets, but yeah, I'm excited too, dude. It'd be cool. I'm gonna go rewatch me kissing Carrie. I'm out of here. I've I've waited I waited uh oh yeah in in hook right it's in hook that he kisses yeah they're on the bridge yeah, on the bridge when yeah. they take off that some of the fairy dust falls on these couples kissing on the bridge and they lift up in there and that's Lucas and Carrie Fisher yeah and then they like literally realize what's happening and then they fall to their deaths and they died think about it right they don't know what they're doing they died it rhymes it's like poetry yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then and then D- David Lowry's gonna do a, an A twenty four movie about their kids and what happened, you know, in the aftermath. <laughs> Look how, how how good the directors are in this series, though. You got John Walsh mm-hmm. and the Daniels and David Lowry. That's like, almost a dream. So far, that's almost like a dream series of directors on that on that series. Yeah, I'm 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 I'm, I'm excited. It's just. Pretty God, Salad the Hut isn't the thing that they're stuck with dealing with. Well, if you if know, it like, was Salad the Hut, they're gonna make it look good. They're gonna make it probably look better than than what we saw in the Mandalorian, though. I hope what so. it's worth, you know. But but it's going to be. I mean, like like Lowry, I don't think was was hired because of. Well, I'm not gonna say wasn't hired because of the work he's done, but I think Lowry was most like likely came aboard because of his love of 80s fantasy and 80s Amblin films and things like his love for Willow, which which if you watch interviews with them for the like the Green Knight, he lays out like he loves the stuff. He knows that stuff. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm excited to see what his take on that is. And I, I think he's gonna probably do a good job because like I said, when he talks about Willow, he talks about Willow correctly. He doesn't talk about Willow incorrectly, like some people who made a Willow series recently. So I wonder how much, how much influence he'll have though on, on his own episode. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if John Watts or Christopher Ford, whichever one of them is showrunning, they'll yeah. be the true directors. Um, yeah, but yeah, but but I or, also or do we do we end up like with the Robert Rodriguez situation where you kind of mm. get the sense that maybe Favreau and Filoni were like, we can't tell Robert Rodriguez what to do, and then in the end we have an inconsistent vision. We could be up up with something like that in this if we want to be real about what the pitfalls of such a I don't know, a plethora of talent could be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, also, if these if any of these guys were doing a movie, we'd be very excited about it, right? 
Yeah. Like Reeve Daniels or Watts would do in a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That's. I mean, it, it's it's sort of uh, it's sort of a shame that it that we don't have movies coming from from them. But mm-hmm. right, is it? But but uh, no, be fired anyway. We know we did this once before, right? They hired all the young talent, the young bucks, and then they fired them. So. <laughs> and yeah. brought in Ron Howard, you know, safe pair of hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I mean, ultimately, it is probably for Lucasfilm and us. This is probably the best way forward to go down, though, because, like, you know, like, like Lowry is obviously somebody who I think that they would have considered for Star Wars projects in the past or before would have talked to, um, even if nothing came. came out of it before they got shook in their boots mm-hmm. they got solo well, scared right right right, right. No. well it, it what's funny is every single time there's a star wars movie coming out it's the most important thing that's going to prove that star wars matters every single time it never <laughs> matters funny. like like and like everyone's like why would they why would they sh- pick Charmin for this most important Star Wars movie. And it's just like, mm-hmm. you got to say that every single time. Cause every single time you do it, it proves something. So it's like, but, but point is, is that like, yeah, we had a lot of like rock star directors um, like Abrams. I remember why Abrams came back for nine was because of the rock star safeness of that. And um, these directors who they have aboard here though, are, I would say probably the future rock stars, if not the current rock stars now. You know, especially when you go, go and win like seven Academy Awards on your film, it's kind of hitting rock star territory, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, right? you know, I a mean, it, it could be a one hit wonder. It's that is possible, but but I don't think so. I, I that was there was so much imagination and talent involved in uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. That if they if they sort of blew just burned out from that, I would be really surprised. You know, it's happened, but I would I'd be surprised. You know, I don't think they're going to be M Shalomans. Yeah, their other movie is pretty good as well. Uh, Swiss Army Man. That's pretty good. I still haven't seen that one. Still haven't seen that one. (laughs) There's nothing like it, Jason. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Yeah. That's where, you know, what do you go after uh, Harry Potter? That's what you do. Right. Bravo to that guy. Like (laughs) everyone involved. That that was like everyone here deserves. A big night at Sizzler, you know what I yeah, mean? Like everyone. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> or in my favorite case, Fod Rockers, but Sizzler, more people, you know, it's got but Sizzler. I mean, it was like probably about a year ago, like when or when Green Knight came out, and I was just like gushing about it every episode of the show. So give this guy something in Star Wars, and uh, so I'm really, really glad, I'm really, really, really happy about, about this news. Because, you know, if he does go and he does do, like, an excellent job, like, we saw Deborah Chow delivered on her Kenobi episodes. They gave her the Kenobi series. So it, it doesn't matter what the end result was. It matters Taika got a movie. That that happened. Taika got a movie after doing the finale of The Mandalorian Season 1. And so these, these we guys... We that shirt. If we, when you're in the merch store, Jason, we need Taika got a movie. Like, Taika got a movie. <laughs> can they? Can they? Can they not let us sell Taika got a movie? They have to let us sell Taika got a movie, right? <laughs> we could sell Taika got a movie. We need. I need that shirt. Taika got a movie. Yeah, <laughs> I need that shirt now, man. Yeah, that's a good um, idea. But but uh, yeah, so so these these directors all aboard with this, it, it definitely says something good 
about about what can happen. And like if you're just looking at it not from a financial perspective, but when you're like a John Watts, they're like, do you want to make a Star Wars movie? And then it's like this make or break moment for for a large like part of your legacy because if it's a terrible movie, people always say you fucked up Star Wars and you bombed it out. And then, but then also you have to do all of your ideas to get everything you have to say, like in this one picture. But when they give you a series, you literally like the stakes are lower. The chance for love is more and you get to have more of your like creative ideas, like express like all of it pretty much thrown into like that one thing. And so I could see like why, like the Watts, like John Watts may, may have preferred taking on this live action show over, you know, a, um, a film. That makes that makes sense to me in my head anyway. <laughs> Tell that to Deborah Chow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, and no, no and that's matter, right. Do whatever you want. No one cares. Like, <laughs> well, well, no, but but the uh, the uh, the no. Okay, let let's not let's not act like she just fucking showed up with a fucking like you know joint in her hand and a fucking you know big gulp and like said yeah just do the scene like see- it it wasn't like that. She I'm not but it was her viewpoint. I'm saying it can be as big in fans eyes as a movie is what i'm trying to say if it doesn't yeah really well i i, I have a theory that uh, yeah i i have a theory that the live action socal star wars productions might have kind of like not to blame it on them because I, I i the, the crew is cool i don't mean to like shit on them but like the way that the, the time that the second unit has to get what they need I think is where a lot of this stuff comes in that we laugh at when, when, when it comes down to like the explosions in that last episode, which were comical, it wasn't, I wasn't like scared for them. I was laughing at them when they were getting blasted by the pirates. You know what I was also thinking of today when we were driving mm -hmm. back, we were driving back from the the patissier and Mm -hmm. we went by one of those like mining places that had like piles of dirt. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't believe they just had Obi-Wan and Vader run between some piles of dirt. Like, I just can't yeah. believe mm-hmm. that yeah. was a plan. Not not like, let's use this mining facility as something we can set, extend, and build off of. Like, no, we're just going to have them run around piles of dirt. Like, that is, yeah. like, that is crazy to me. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, no, it, it was, yeah, no, no, I'm with you. And it's like, and like, like, like in that, in that moment right there, you could tell, like, the, the error was, we're going to make small duel and then we're going to up it. And then the, in the second duel, we will up it. And then I think most people felt that the second duel was adequate and were generally happy with it. But in doing that small duel, they just underdid it. Here's, they, they, it well, was here's not the planned thing, out though, enough. They, yeah. They did small duel in a big wide open space, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. The small duel should have been like in that cave though, that, you know, that Leia was running in or something, something mm-hmm. close quarters combat, something where you can be in a small area and affect walls and items and you know claustrophobia yeah. and, it, and yeah, then it, when it go when it gets big at the so end run. but but the, the, the end the, battle is in a big open area so when yeah. you contrast that open area which had money and effort and and all that the, the, had the had the big money behind it to yeah. the we're going to run around piles of dirt and, and in an equally open area without set extensions just an open area it's it falls apart you know just like two days ago i saw some people talking about it and they're like oh fucking joby harold's writing and i'm like i'm sorry but joby harold can't write choreography necessarily like like to some extent there could be some ideas some gags some some things to happen but for the most part 
I don't blame Joe B. Harold for that, that fucking duel looking like that or being shot that way. And uh, I don't know if Deborah Chow walked away from that going, that's great. Or if, if it was like, I need more. And they were like, Nope, I, I, we don't know what, we don't know what happened there. Right. But, 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 but we do know that she um, shot, she did good work on the Mandalorian. And then we got to the, to the Kenobi series and we had the, all of those really I, flat dead on shots. And she's more of, I think of more of a dramatic director than a, um, than a visual spectacle director, possibly. Also not for nothing. Right. I think it's unfair to ask a lot. A, a many, some directors could probably pull this off, but to ask one person to shoot, six to eight hours worth of narrative story you know at one bit and construct each one like a mini movie yeah is pretty unrealistic right and she didn't like, yeah she's the only one who's done that too which correct. is the and that's I mean, where six I go, is, the, the studio set her up for some failure in my opinion yeah six is the smallest amount we've ever got for a season usually there are eight episode seasons but she's the only one who did them all and uh and yeah that that's Who's also the showrunner on, on the show. And the showrunner. It was too much for one person. Yeah. It's too much. How many? Uh, some people could do it, but that's like saying, hey, man, some people could shoot Dr. Zhivago. Some people could shoot Full Metal Jacket. So what? Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> You yeah. know, like there's 90, there's 100 other projects to make out there other than Full Metal Jacket. So don't don't base it around around that. So, yeah, I think that that's the unfair. I, I, her showrunning, fine. Her directing the first and maybe last episode, fine. Her directing, look, we, we saw six hours of content, but there had to be what, 30, 40 hours worth of content? I don't know how, unless they were doing quick takes and moving on so they could just say we got, you know, like, I mean, how much they couldn't have been doing many takes, right? It had to be like as as in the camera as we got as much as possible, right? I, I, I think the, 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 the moments with emotional resonance got a lot of care and love. And then things like Princess Leia running from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, not so much. And I think that's where it was one take. <laughs> and that's where I think it was second unit stuff. And, but, but, it's, but those are the notable failures of, the, of that series, you know, the ones right. that, we, that we criticize. Um, Nick says, happy anniversary, Rob. And, oh, um, thanks, Nick. Appreciate that. Jedi Mike says you and drop the executive producer ball in Kenobi in his opinion. And see, the thing about hmm. it is I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that executive producer credit was, had a lot to do with his, how, what his character was going to do, what, how he was going to perform it and what was going to happen in those moments and that kind of stuff. And I'm guessing that you got what he wanted. Um, but it was, you know, in the other places that, that most of the critique comes, I, I'd say. And also looking at it from Ewan's perspective, he came off of the prequels, which everyone was like, you need to talk to Darth Vader more. <laughs> you need to, we need to have conflict between you guys. And like, we need to like have more of that relationship built out. And all you're doing is space dancing with laser swords. So then they go and they kind of do the opposite a little bit. And then uh, people are mad about it. So it's like, no, people want the space dancing with laser swords, but they also want that conflict at the same time. And uh, that's why yeah, they should have hired Lowry. Nick Gillard. Come on, bring him well, back. Lowry's also was also the guy who like he can he he seemed in the Green Look. It's just based off the Green Knight, mm -hmm. but it seemed that he understood complicated relationships that aren't being vocalized. Because you look at the relationship between the Green Knight 
or I, I call him the Green Knight. He's not the Green Knight. The Green Knight's a big fucking tree dude, but the main dude and King Arthur. And if you didn't know that was King Arthur, you wouldn't know. But you know, there's a complicated story there, and it's not being explicitly told. Like, I'm not picking on Mando, but in the current season of Mando, where they would go, "That's King Arthur, and he wants to speak to you," they don't do that. Like, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's a lot of subtextual stuff that's happening in that, you know. But it's 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 intentionally being done. It's not an after effect of us staring at a screen and projecting our own wants and desires. There is an untold story being told through the yeah. visuals and through performance in the green knight that i think would benefit kenobi because the more specific you get with anakin and obi-wan's relationship i think the more troubled it gets but you do want more than lucas maybe not doing that because like oh well it's too specific then you fucking hate him and when it's not specific enough you're like we don't know how they were friends you need someone who could handle really weird really weird relationships you know and that sure. i think lowry mastered that in the green knight like yeah yeah you know. yeah i mean i like i said i've watched the movie probably four times since it's come out and uh yeah i i think it's a i think it's a classic i don't know if it'll have i don't know what the cultural impact will be but i think it's i think it's fucking stellar and uh I, i'm hoping i'm hoping he brings that that level of like detail and care to 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 star wars and is able to because yeah because like when it when it comes to star wars it's sort of weird it's like we always say like it ultimately the director is the one who gets the the accolades and the the shit the ire um if it's not great or if it fails or when it fails and but at the same time it's never star wars is always a little bit more complicated than than that in this in this studio system george lucas doing it different game than what jj abrams ryan johnson gareth edwards fucking tony gilroy all of their experiences are are all completely different than um what george lucas's was and so i i'm gonna say i think that it at least we know that it like the show is in like the best hands and after all of the shit about the troubled production so glad to know that it like there's really talented people aboard i think that it that should put confidence in fans hands who when they hear trouble are like oh it means it's going to be bad but trouble doesn't mean it's going to be bad do you think we're going to have um even more directors of this sort of caliber on board this series because it's kind of a stark contrast to where you look at the directors who are on um the mandalorian for example Mm -hmm. you know i'm not shitting on him i love him he's apollo creed Carl yeah. Weathers compared to like John Watts or David Lowry or the Daniels, like that's a that's a big jump. You know, most yeah. of the people on The Mandalorian primarily did TV content, right? You know, I know they got Rachel Morrison on uh, the latest season who did um was she the the director of photography on Wakanda Forever? Um mm-hmm. and obviously you got Leah Zekchung who did Minari, but in general it's usually just like T V people. Which yeah. again, I'm not shitting on T V people because there's some talented people doing that um but these like we said these are the rock stars of like this current era this current age so are we expecting more sort of names to be attached like this not like because there's some they do smaller movies right like green knight is an a24 movie so is everything everywhere at once some people in that sort of range yeah but 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 both of those yeah both of those films are 
not the most expensive films, but no. delivered like acted like they were two hundred million dollar movies at times. You like know? the original Star Wars. Mm-hmm. To yeah. an extent, THX one one three eight and American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Like that's that. I just think there's a sweet spot. It's very elusive to find with Star Wars, where you need someone that understands top to bottom, right? Filmmaking from from like Lucas understood because of the his work with Zoetrope and everything, top to bottom, from production, funding, writing, even hiring people, editing, understands all of it, not just the one thing. And then mm-hmm. knows how to keep it within a certain scope, but make the scope bigger. Like that's something that James Cameron, that's why he excelled at Roger Corman's studio, because he could take something that that was you know, four hundred thousand dollars and make it look like four million dollars. Or in right. the case of the Terminator, take a sixteen million dollar or six million dollar budget and make it look like six million dollars into a twenty, thirty, thirty million dollar range, you know? Or and yeah. And then take a twenty, thirty million dollar movie like Aliens and make it look like fifty, sixty to a hundred million. You know, like that's that's yeah. the trick when when it just looks that may have been Deborah Chow. I don't know. I'm speculating. You know, when someone comes from drama, they're not knowing to have the eye that you're like, this does not look like a bigger scope thing than it should. You know, mm-hmm. right. Like, that's very difficult because that's not what their focus is. Their focus is performances, perhaps. And and her and her character work. No, I don't think anyone's saying that the young girl played Leia when she's acting with ewan is inappropriate or goofy or off you know all no. that stuff is really good yeah she was talented so yeah i just think that that's the hardest part maybe the a24 you know directors or cats that understand working within that budget and expanding the feel and scope of something without literally expanding the scope yeah <laughs> yeah but that's that's where when we you know um the internet is like I, like I always say, I don't really care about defending Kathleen Kennedy or praising her necessarily. Like I, I don't really have a dog in the fight. It doesn't really matter to me that much. But the the um, thing I think for you know for all the criticism that she gets as uh, the head of Lucasfilm, look at the like eclectic uh, filmmakers that she's allowed to be a part of the current generation of Star Wars stories. And for the most part, I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty pleased with it. And uh, I just wish she they had just. I agree with you. I'm not trying to cut you off. Yeah. I just that when I've seen she has, but then when you hire Lord and Miller and then fire those cats, and I understand all the specifics. I'm generalizing mm-hmm. the the time. I don't want to get into a long John Campia preamble before we get to the conversation. Every mm-hmm. time we bring it up. Yeah. But like that's where you got to say do we trust the director's vision or are we trusting the producers slash writer's vision you know what i mean and that, that's that, that's what i was trying to say earlier is i don't believe there will ever really be a rock solid version of the director's vision and like the producer's vision i kind of think it's think always going to be a compromise i do i i think that was somebody who came in said what his ideas were they said what they wanted he met him in the middle they fucking shook hands happy knowing that that's that's the plan and they 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 executed the plan flawlessly and they were they were happy with what they did like that's what i think happened there i think the problem is that star wars is so big and vast that a lot of filmmakers and directors they don't know what's going to arise 
until like today in the article I wrote, I realized I there was little details that I just hadn't considered that I wanted to put in the article that would have been good to ask on a, you know, if I could have done a follow-up interview. And like those directors hit those moments, and then that's where shit starts to break down for a lot of them, I think. You know, when they when they start when their vision starts to change or expand or they start to get deeper into it, that's when that's when it that's when the friction um comes in. And that's I don't think I don't think Lucasfilm is super catering or or happy with onset surprises though. I think if you like, you know, are going to do something and you tell them what you're going to do and you've worked it out, it's in the script and stuff like that, you're cool. But, uh, but, you know, they like, they gave uh, Gareth Edwards his uh, little, you know, hour of uh, experimentation every day. And that came about from, yeah, but film this and then you can do that stuff. Okay. And then that stuff was mostly not in the movie. They weren't. They 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 put it in some Which of the. This is a shame because visually those shots are fucking yeah. amazing. They're good. Yeah, we they're the ones that stood out, and I'm like, that's. I feel like the stuff that tends to stand out, not all of it, but the stuff that tends mm -hmm. to stand out is when you feel like you're seeing the director's point of view. You feel like you're seeing the eye of an artist and not a camera that's pulled back doing a studio movie. That was the point I was right. making about like the Wendy shots. It's not that it's just compositionally. Yeah flat in front of something that said i'm not seeing a director's eye i'm seeing like hey we're pulled we got coverage it's all in there we got the island and there's the water and the kids you know and i'm like yeah you did that but that's different from an a24 thing where generally because you have a smaller budget you are constantly putting the camera into the eye of the person that is currently at the pov right and if you yeah. think about it, one of the best executions i've seen was that fight and um everywhere everything where when uh, the security guards show up and so like mm -hmm. it goes from michelle yo's pov to uh uh short rounds i'm sorry i forget his fucking name uh kikwans right so you uh but you're, you're you are you feel like you're with him you're not just mm -hmm. looking at him doing something cool you feel you are with him like this guy is actually now he's you know like i'm gonna kick some it's just it's just is brilliant and that's not an easy thing to do if it were easy everyone would be doing it so right i am super excited about this i just hope that we get to see that pov with these directors you know what i mean in these mm -hmm. in these episodes right yeah that's, yeah. yeah i mean and we you know we have an, an ensemble cast at, at play in this and like so some of these directors may you know may gravitate towards some of those some of those characters and they may be featured more than which which might be a good thing too you know like i know if i was directing it that little that little blue kid he's gonna be in everything um mm. nick said i heard on yesterday's show it only costs 499 pounds for you to join my cult so here's mine i have you now that once again th thank you nick for this with the super chat but you just got to click the channel member button and then and then uh you're able to to, to chat during the um Member only what? days. What cult did we join yesterday for five pounds? Oh, I don't, you don't remember. Yeah, that's because you joined the cult, and I wiped your memory afterwards. Oh. Yeah. Also, Nick, that's five pound to Jason. Jason's in your cult. Yeah. I've told you before what it takes for me to join your cult. So, <laughs> if you can promise me that, then I'll be in. Um, I'm gonna say. Beers at celebration, 
might be a definitely good one. not. No. Oh, definitely no. not. Oh, okay. Okay. But all right. Well, guys, uh, I, I think I think we did it all. I mean, we went for an hour twenty-three. I think we uh, we talked about the the two news stories of the day. wasn't a bad wasn't a bad news day for Star Wars, surprisingly. So. But um, tomorrow, be back at 1 p.m. Pacific Center time. That's the, that's the time I intend to go live. I have I don't think I've stuck to that all week, but whatever. We, you know, we, we do it when we do it. But thank you for uh, coming and uh, hanging out with me today, Bespin, and uh, especially on such short notice. And uh, thank you for taking some, some time out of your anniversary day to come hang out with us today, Rob. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. He's just passed out, sugar hat. <laughs> sure. dogs are passed out they got they got bullies there everyone i'm the only one working so thought i'd jump i was like hey they're on do i super chat or do i join i don't know oh you should have should have super chatted i'd take the money i should have uh, <laughs> no, okay. we would have joined we would have joined your cult as well you know mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i doubt that <laughs> no one likes my cult i don't know i don't know cult yeah if if Nick was referring to what Bestman said, he said, I can't work miracles, dude. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying it to, but it makes me laugh. You know what uh, he's saying it to, because we both requested the same thing. Oh, wait, can play Fortnite? No, no, no. It's oh. to do with our follicles. I see. Whatever, whatever. But thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. And uh, th thanks, thank you, Dell. Thanks, thanks, everyone who is a channel member. And thanks, everyone, for the, for the support and all that jazz. And... Uh, if you read Bestman Bulletin every day, give him a coffee. If you watch the show all the time, <coughs> channel member, Nick. Um, but thank you, Nick. And uh, yeah, and we'll see everybody tomorrow, um, 1 p.m. Pacific Center time. See you later and subscribe, like the video, all that jazz. You know what to do. I don't have to say it. You should just do it. it shouldn't I shouldn't have to ask you. That's what my dad used to say about cleaning my room. I shouldn't have to ask you. So anyways, I appreciate it. Bye, everybody. And here we go. One last time. That guy's a cyber character. He's not real. <laughs> she just turns off, turns herself off. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Turns herself off. <laughs>